This morning, some of you guys may be pleased to hear that we're going to take what my friend Justin referred to as a Paul break. If you've been here with us for our series on the book of Acts for a while, it seems that every week we talk about this is what God used Paul to do. Here's what God used Paul to do in Corinth. Here's what God used Paul to do in Thessalonica. Here's what God used Paul to do in Berea. And it's awesome. But there's this possibility that as we see how God uses Paul that we can get the wrong idea that God only uses superman. We, we get the wrong idea about Paul that God that he is somehow a superman that he's an apostle and so yeah he can use him but what about me? I'm not an apostle. What can God do through me? And today we're going to see what God can do through his church even when the apostle Paul is away. That it's not dependent on any one man for God to do his work. There's a body of Christ and God works through them. You know, today we don't have apostles in the sense that, that we had Paul back then, but you might think of it in terms of what happens when the pastor takes a month-long vacation or what happens when my missional community leader is gone for the summer or what happens when that, that person that, that led me to the Lord moves away. Can God still move here? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because we're all people and the same Holy Spirit of God lives inside of all of us. So to, to set the stage, we're going to tell you that Paul, as, as we know from last week, spent some time in Corinth. And God used him in a powerful way there to lead many to the Lord. It was an important city and he left. In Acts 18.18 18, it says he stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Long story short, I'm going to summarize a few verses because we don't need to, our minds are going to do this number, tra travel in the map of where Paul journeyed. He left Corinth, traveled a couple other places, and then went to the city of Ephesus. But he actually went twice. He went there once before what we're going to talk about today. And he left his friends Priscilla and Aquila there. You remember them? They were tent makers. And when we read the rest of the Bible, we know that they weren't only tent makers. They were fervent disciples of Jesus Christ. And we believe that in possibly up to three cities, Rome, Ephesus, and Corinth, as they traveled for their business and opened up branches, if you will, of their tent making trade, they also helped to turn their city upside down for Jesus. Paul left them there. And what I want to show you today is what happens in the world when the apostles away. And the great news is that God worked in awesome ways in his absence. That's encouraging to all of us because none of us in this room is an apostle. It's encouraging to say, wow, God wants to do the same thing here today. And what the, the ideas that I want to camp on, the things that I see, in addition to knowing that God's spirit worked through Priscilla and Aquila and a fellow that we're going to meet named Apollos, is two things that characterize these people that I believe enabled them to be used by God. The first one is teachability. Excuse me. Teachability. They were able to learn from others. They were able to grow. They were able to take in the input of others in their lives. And the second thing was an attitude of teamwork. 
this sense that, hey, we are in this together. This is not about me or my glory. This is about the glory of God. We are the body of Christ. And so what if I don't get the, quote, notch on my belt for what God does here? It's for His glory, and we're all about getting notches on God's belt, spreading the news about what He's done. Teachability and teamwork. So let's jump in. Paul has come to Ephesus. He's left. Verse 24, we're going to meet a new guy. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Learned uh, can mean eloquent as well. This guy evidently was a wonderful speaker, which Paul says in other places that Paul was not. Paul was a simple preacher. We often think that, man, if we listened to Paul, we'd be like, oh. He says himself that he just preached Christ and the cross. This Apollos was evidently eloquent, and he came from a city called Alexandria. Alexandria was the second largest city in the Roman Empire after Rome. Had a library of over 700,000 volumes. It was a center of education, and this guy evidently was maybe even catechized in, in much of what he had learned in Alexandria as he grew up. So he comes to Ephesus, this important city in Asia, with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. We're going to see that it wasn't completely thorough in just a moment. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, but only to a point, because it says he only knew the baptism of John. In other words, he had possibly come under the teaching of some disciples of John the Baptist, and he knew about John the Baptist's baptism of repentance that prepared people for Jesus. He knew about Jesus accurately, because it says that right there, but his knowledge was cut short at a point. Verse 26 says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So he goes into the religious center and speaks boldly about what he does know. And check out what Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple, do. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. They invited him into their home and explained the word of God more adequately. Now I think about Apollos here. He's eloquent. He's well-educated. This took something that I referred to earlier as teachability on his part. The willingness to say, wow, I've got room to grow in my life. I need to hear what this couple has to say. I love that God used a married couple. Often, often people will look at Paul's life and ministry and claim that Paul was some sort of sexist. That Paul diminished the worth of women in the church. But here you see a couple, man and woman, sitting down and discipling together a teacher of the Word of God. That's cool. I also like that you see married couple sitting down with what was most likely a single man. The body coming together. Nothing wrong with having married classes and single classes and things like that, but I think often when we look at the Bible, we just see the church coming together and we don't always all have to run off to our separate category. We can love on each other. And that's my dream for our missional communities in our church, that we don't segregate them off as 
this is the young parents group and this is the, let's say, more seasoned, mature group. Or <laughs> this, is the, <laughs> this is the young couples without kids group. I love just mixing it together. And, and when people say, do we have women's ministry at the church? Do we have men's ministry? I say, yes. We don't have a separate category for that, but it happens in missional communities. Because, you know, as they meet together in those missional communities, you can bet the women mentor the women and the men mentor the men. But, yeah, we, we do this together. But Apollos was teachable, this eloquent teacher. And, and I looked at some stuff by John Maxwell. Some of you guys have heard of him. He's a great uh, teacher of leaders. And I wanted to share a quote with you guys about what it means to be teachable. This is from John Maxwell. He said, teachability is not so much about competence and mental capacity as it is about attitude. It is the desire to listen, learn, and apply. It is the hunger to discover and grow. It is the willingness to learn, unlearn, and relearn. I love the way legendary basketball coach John Wooden states it. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Do we have that attitude as we hang out with other believers in the body, as we go to our missional community? What can I learn from those people that I'm here with? He gives a list of questions that can help us evaluate if we're teachable. And he says, if you answer no to any of these questions, you've got some room to grow in the teachability department. Am I open to other people's ideas? Do, do I listen more than I talk? That's a tough one for pastors. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Um, am I open to changing my opinion based on new information? Do I readily admit when I am wrong? Do I observe before acting on a situation? Do I ask questions? Am I willing to ask a question that will expose my ignorance? There you go. You're sitting in a missional community and you don't know something. You just sit there quietly because you're too proud to say, hey, could you, what, what, what does that mean? Am I open to doing things in a way I haven't done before? Am I willing to ask for directions? Do I act defensive when criticized or do I listen openly for truth? He said no to any of those. That means we've all got, and chances are we all do have room to grow in the, the teachability department. Another thing I love about this scenario where they're teaching Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila were evidently more mature in the faith. At least they knew more. And often I see in the church world this, this attitude that I've come far in my faith so I need to go somewhere where the teaching is deeper and just be with those who need deeper teaching. And you can put those newer believers or those who don't know as much as I do over in a new believers class. I need a deep class. I need to be over here. I don't see Priscilla and Aquila here saying, I need the deep class. I see them saying, wow, since I know more, since I've been entrusted with knowledge about God and Jesus in my life, I have a responsibility to pass that on to that person that's not as far along in their walk as I am. I don't have this knowledge just for me. I don't have it just so I can say, look how deep I am. Look how mature I am. I am called to disciple those who are walking behind me in the faith. 
I'd say that's a challenge to all of us who have been Christians for some time. Do we have that same attitude that, hey, where can I pour in what's been entrusted to me through my parents, through my church, through whatever my heritage is? Or do we say, I need to find something deeper for me? we got to think about that. I think all of us need Priscilla's and Aquila's in our lives to lead us further in the walk. So I'd ask you, who do you have in your life that's a little further down the road that you look to to say, wow, could, could, you, could I just walk with you and could you tell me what you've learned from your successful moments with God and your failures? And, just, and all of us need an Apollos. We all need to be looking for those people around us who, A, maybe don't know the Lord yet and we need to be busy leading them to Him or B, know the Lord but not as long or not as deeply as we do and we, we graciously come alongside them and lead them in the way. Teachability was key. The other thing I see is this attitude of teamwork. Verses 27 and 28. When Apollos, wa- Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, that's Corinth. That's where Paul had been and had started a ministry and had seen great success. Now, Apollos wanted to go there. Check out what the, the people in Ephesus did. The brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Now I think about Paul in this scenario. Paul the apostle has been there, has started a ministry And now this man named Apollos, who Paul would admit is more eloquent, goes there to continue the ministry. You're Paul. How do you feel about this? We know that it it created a stir among the people in Corinth. They actually started arguing about who's better. Was Paul better? Or was Apollos better? He had to address him about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And you got the real spiritual group. We follow Christ. And they're all fighting about our group's better because we follow this guy. But listen to what Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is how Paul felt about it when a more eloquent man went to Corinth to be used by God. He says, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but listen, God has been making it grow. That's where the glory goes. God is doing the work. It doesn't matter if it's Paul or Apollos. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. God makes it grow. That's what matters. And I think we need to look at that attitude of teamwork even as we look at the different churches in our community and in our world. I need to say, man, we need to have that attitude. 
And if our life is primarily characterized by criticizing every stripe of the Christian faith that is a little bit different than mine, if that's my favorite hobby on Facebook, I probably need to change my focus to God's glory and not the glory of my church or the ministry I'm a part of. Not saying that we don't need discernment. We need to discern where there is falsehood. I'm saying on those areas where there's freedom to differ, we need to be gracious. And we need to remember what Jesus said. If they're not against us, they're for us. There's a teamwork. There's a story told of a family that went camping. And they pulled into their campsite. And as soon as they pulled in, The dad got out and started setting up the tent very quickly. The mom and the girls started preparing the meal for the evening, and the two boys ran quickly out into the woods and brought the the wood out of the, the woods for the fire and started the fire. And this all happened in about 10 minutes. And there was an elderly gentleman in the next campsite that came over and talked to the dad and said, that was impressive. And the dad says, yeah, uh, we traveled 250 miles to get to this campsite. And I make sure that everybody has a big bowl of prunes for breakfast before we leave and nobody's allowed to use the restroom until camp's set up. (laughs) See, there was a sense of urgency that prompted them to say, we better work together to get this job done. (laughs) There is a sense of urgency that ought to prompt us to get the job done that Jesus has given us as a team. He told us to make disciples. And we all know that either life is going to end for us or those around us, or Jesus is going to return at any moment. And that opportunity will come to an end. And we know what Peter says, that the only reason Jesus is waiting for his return, the primary reason, I believe, excuse me, is that he is willing that none should perish. He's waiting for more to hear the good news and respond to it. If that's not a sense of urgency to pull together as a team and get the job done, I don't know what is. I wanted to share this. And and as I share it, I just want to commend our church. You guys have blessed me, blessed, blessed our body in the way you guys jump in together to get things done. It's amazing. I'm super thankful. This little poem is sort of a warning where we never want to get to. There were four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. (laughs) I think that sums up our call as a body, right? We're all called to make disciples. 
And as long as we sit and wait for that other couple, that other individual, that other single, that other pastor, that other missional community leader to do it, we're missing out on the opportunity to work as a team. This is a short message. I just want to close by asking us the two big questions. And I pray that the carrying out of this message would find its way into our lives. That's where the real message is lived, right? First, am I teachable? Am I teachable? Am I willing to grow in my faith? Is it likely that next year I'll be further along the road in my faith than I am this year? If you want that, the only way for that to happen is to be teachable. As you open God's word to go in there with an attitude that says, yeah, I don't know it all. Teach me, Holy Spirit. As I sit in the missional community, God, teach me through these people around me. The flip side of that, I'd say, is who is it that I'm teaching? I'll say it even, even in marriage. Do I want to be further down the road in my marriage next year? I tell pre-married couples all the time, you've got to be a student of that one you're with. You heard it in Fireproof if you saw that. You know, you start dating, you got the high school diploma on your spouse. And then you, you're married, you get married, and okay, a couple of years now you got your bachelor's, but you don't want to stop there. You want to keep learning. You want to get that master's degree and that doctorate so that you can be considerate of that person. Friendship. You got friendships. You want to keep growing in what it means to love that friend that you have. And then the second one, teamwork. Is that the attitude that characterizes my heart? Do I have an attitude of it's for God's glory? And everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and follows him faithfully, looks to his word, we're, we're on the same team. And if they do it a little bit differently in some of those smaller areas, okay. I'm not going to spend my time criticizing them. We're going to be in this for God's glory. Lord, I thank you so much for this example. It's your Holy Spirit that does your work in this world through us. It wasn't super Paul or super Peter. God, when we look at Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila, man, it gives us a desire to be used that way. Man, whether we're well-educated in Alexandria and eloquent like Apollos, whether we're like Priscilla and Aquila who, who were tent makers and had this business that they used to glorify you all the while advancing your kingdom by hosting a church in their home. Whoever we are, God, uh, what it comes down to is will we look to you in faith to work through us? Will we be those people that are teachable and practice teamwork? Show us where we can grow in those areas this week. Lord, even as we take our offering this morning, we pray that the kingdom that we all long to advance, the good news of the gospel, would be furthered by our gifts. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.